Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for spending time with me today. You're working from home. I would guess you are. Maybe that enables you to have the radio on in the background. So you're not in your car, but you're still listening to the radio. I hope that's the case. We're going to have a great hour with Ken Samples. Uh, He is a philosopher and theologian and a regular guest of the show. And I always look forward to having him on because I learned so much. I know he's working from home today in Southern California, so I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with him. We're going to talk about the sickness of self today. That's an interesting topic, and I can't wait to find out what he's going to be sharing with it with us. But I'm trying to figure out what it means to be selfless and who God intended us to be, and we're supposed to love others and put others before us. And we're supposed to, we know that God created us in his image, and God is love, so our, I hope, hopefully we're lovable too. <laughs> but we want to take uh, who we are and serve others, pour ourselves out to others. And we're going to talk to Ken about that. I, I bet you're going to have questions, and if, if you do, you can start sending them over right away, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. 2484. We'll be right back with Ken. We love hearing from Faith Radio listeners. It's easy to get in touch with us through the Faith Line. When you call 877-933-2484, listen to the greeting, and then press the number 1. Then leave a message for a show host or general manager Neil Stavum. You can also ask a question about upcoming events and the event coordinator will contact you. Or if you'd like information on a specific program, you can inquire about that as well. And the producer of that show or another staff person will get back to you. Another way to access program information is through MyFaithRadio.com. Look under the Programs tab for specific show information, including recent guests and topics. Again, the number for the Faith Line is 877-933-2484. That's 877-933-2484 or 877-93-FAITH. Give us a call anytime and leave a message to stay connected to Faith Radio. Welcome back to the show. That walk-up music is chosen by Ken Samples. He is a philosopher and theologian. He is the senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe. So you can always head over to reasons.org to learn more about his work and his colleagues. And he's also written uh, several books, including Classic Christian Thinker, Seven Truths That Changed the World, and God Among Sages. Ken, welcome back to the show. Hi, Bill. It's good to be with you. Oh, it's so nice to have you back on. I, I love you and my listeners love you. So there. Well, that's uh, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, the sickness of self. 
I'm very curious to get your take on this because I'm curious as to what was the communion of humanity with God and then what was it designed to be humans with other humans? Yeah, I, you know, this kind of, uh, this topic kind of came up in the context of, of our pandemic. I was just, I was just observing, for example, very early on when this took place that, uh, you know, some people were very struck by, boy, I need to go to the grocery store and buy everything I possibly can. <laughs> it was a sense of panic. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I, I understand that we're living in very challenging times, and so nobody wants to be, you know, caught unprepared. But it, what's interesting is that it, it just jumped out at me that right at the forefront of us, there is the sense of self. And then um, also I, I, I saw a, a, a presentation on the news where there were young people, I think in Florida on spring break, uh, you know, basically giving the YOLO, Y-O-L-O, you only live once. And again, kind of uh, the self kind of idea. So part of this subject has kind of come to me during uh, these very challenging times. But the idea of self or selfishness is a, a principally biblical idea that Adam and Eve were created by God, for God, created in God's image, placed in the garden. And Adam and Eve, uh, they, instead of choosing God's purposes, God's plan, um, God's love, they, uh, in effect, choose their own self-course. Mm-hmm. You know, they they take, uh, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and uh, this plunges humanity. If we, now if we think in terms of kind of original sin or how that sinful nature of the first two uh, human beings is passed on to humanity, um all human beings inherit this sin nature. And what I find interesting, Bill, as I look at the history of Christianity is uh, the great medieval Catholic philosopher Thomas Aquinas, he said that maybe one of the most self-evident signs of original sin is self-obsession, that we we just have this difficulty getting our mind off of ourself and onto our neighbor or back onto God. Uh, St. Augustine, of course, uh, talked about the idea that maybe we should think about sin, the sin nature as like a hereditary disease that is uh, passed on. Uh, and of course, you know, in the context of this coronavirus, you think, wow, uh, could we think of sin as like a, like a, a disease? Uh, Peter Kraft, um, a contemporary uh, philosopher, Christian thinker, he says that maybe sin is like a type of mental illness in the sense that instead of choosing God's eternal love, we choose temporal imperfect things, and that maybe our sinfulness reflects kind of a a disorienting kind of mental element. But however you describe it, whether looking strictly at the Bible or looking at Christian examples in history— Bill, it seems to me that right at the core of that fallen nature is this difficulty with selfishness, narcissism, that that it's difficult for us to kind of get outside of ourself and to and to think about the two fundamental commandments, 
to love God with our entire being and to love our, our neighbor as ourself. Uh, that's beautifully stated, Ken. And I'm thinking of the the little bit more concept. And I don't know if Adam and Eve were in that situation. I think of John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest people in all of history, when asked, uh, how much more money would you like? And he said, just a little bit more than I have. And I wow. think, well, Adam and Eve are in the garden. They literally have everything. Uh, beautiful environment, uh, daily communication with God. But were they stuck in the, I want just a little bit more situation? Well, it's, you know, it's interesting to kind of explore the idea. If I could back that up just one more, I mean, at, at least uh, Adam and Eve have a tempter. Um, it, it seems that the devil appears in the garden and he appears, um, you know, in a, in a crafty role as mm-hmm. the serpent. Doesn't necessarily mean that he was a, was a serpent talking. It could be the language that that uh, Moses is using there. But if we think about Lucifer, what about Lucifer? He has no fallen nature, and no one was tempting him. Uh, Saint Augustine's explanation is that Adam didn't choose. Excuse me, Lucifer didn't choose a bad thing. He chose a good thing himself, but he exalted self above God, the ultimate thing. So again. Back to back to selfishness, and to your point, I mean, I think uh, you know I've studied the lives of some great athletes, uh, some of uh, you know great entertainers. It's interesting when you look at their lives, and they have all this money and and fame, and everything's kind of giving to them, and then they utter words like, "Is is that all there is?" Mm-hmm. I I remember growing up listening to John Lennon, the famous Beatle who said, here I am, rich and famous as I always wanted to be, and nothing's happening. Wow. And I'm thinking, you know, when Marilyn Monroe committed suicide in 1962, the suicide rate jumped up 12%. And I think because people thought, man, doesn't Marilyn Monroe have everything and she has no reason to live? I mean, I think this this issue of self and selfishness and our need for selflessness is is really a fundamental issue and i think we see it even today during the pandemic that you know who am i and what are my what are my ultimate needs in life mm-hmm. i think of the great uh, tennis player boris becker after winning his second wimbledon was asked what do you consider to be your greatest challenge and he said not killing myself wow mm-hmm. uh, he yeah. won the first wimbledon title at age 17 i mean he's a young he was a young man when he said that I, I was reading just a couple months ago, maybe maybe a year ago, there was a famous soccer player in Europe. Of course, they call it football. But he said, uh, I'm only as good as my last kick. Yeah. And when it doesn't go well, then I'm I'm nothing. I'm, I'm nobody. I mean, how do you live with that kind of uh, kind of worldview? Yeah. Well, that's that's the uh, Chariots of Fire movie as well with Eric Little when he was yep. uh, competing and his opponent said, I, I've got 10, 10 seconds or however long to justify my existence. Wow. Yeah. I, I just think that this is a very gripping idea. And, you know, Bill, this can be a basis where we can begin to share these ideas with non-Christians. It, it, it seems that we live in a world where people are looking for meaning and purpose and significance you know, trying to validate who they are. 
and we can tell them that that God loves them, that God has provided forgiveness, that that we can have uh, we can have meaning and purpose and value uh, above our circumstances. We're made in the image of God. We can become children of God, and uh, Christ loves us even even though and even when we fail to live a perfect life. Mm-hmm. Ken, Ken Samples is my guest, and he will be for the full hour, so let me know what your questions are. We're talking about the sickness of self, and that's going to be a big topic for the rest of the hour. Let me know what the questions are, 877-933-2484. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the show. Ken Samples is my guest, as he is once a month, and I'm always happy to have him on. He's both a philosopher and a theologian, and we're talking about the sickness of self today. So let me know if you have questions for him, 877-93-FAITH. As we were talking about uh, this uh, Satan tempting Adam and Eve in the garden, Ken, I was thinking, did Lucifer fall from grace first, or did Adam and Eve go first? Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an important question, and I I think what's interesting, Bill, is when you read scripture, there are there are questions that kind of are prompted in our mind because we're not given kind of a systematic uh, layout or presentation. Um, it's you know sometimes to know it's it's sometimes challenging to know what the exact sequence or timing is. I think, however, we can reasonably conclude that there must have been. The, the fall within the angelic realm previous to uh, Adam and Eve's fall, mm-hmm. because there is the serpent in the garden. Right. And uh, now, now again, relating t- time to uh, some other realm of existence, like the angelic realm to our time space uh, world is difficult. But I think it's reasonable to conclude that uh, Lucifer had become the devil prior to Adam and Eve's fall in the garden. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks for that. So let's get back to the sickness of self. Um, and really, Ken, how do how do you think that came about? Well, you know, I, I've, I've thought about this issue because in my own times of uh, prayer, my own time of daily devotion, I like to have a I like to have a regular time where I. I talk to the Lord candidly, and I, I keep my uh, my relationship with Him uh, very close and candid. And I will sometimes use a prayer that I've learned many years ago in the Christian tradition: "Lord, I've sinned against You in my thoughts and in my words and in my deeds, both in what I've done and what I failed to do." And then there are times I like to work through my life and. Uh, because I like classical Christian theology, because I like philosophy, I will sometimes go through what medieval theologians called the seven deadly sins. I'll give them to you uh, quickly in alphabetical order, anger, envy, gluttony, greed, lust, pride, and sloth. Well, what's interesting is I've thought about those sins. I think the connection 
uh, is self. I think the connection is narcissism. Now, a point that I want to make, Bill, and I think it's an important one, is that human beings have value. They, they have dignity. They're made in the image of God. We're made in the mm -hmm. image of God. Uh, Jesus himself took on a human nature and became man at the incarnation. That shows you that being a human being is a good thing, not a bad thing. But I, I think what we have and what I see in the seven deadly sins, what I see in original sin, and unfortunately too often in my own life, I see this, this preoccupation with self. And I think that um, that is that side of that brokenness, because when Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, your neighbor as yourself, you're, you're to give, you're to be focused on others. Uh, the idea of altruism comes out. And, and, yet, uh, and yet, I think that in one sense, I think that this is evidence that Christianity is true, because I think Christianity has a very powerful and, and very accurate uh, model for describing the human condition, that, that as Pascal said, the great uh, mathematician, logician, philosopher, Pascal said humans are an enigma, they're a riddle, uh, a, a, an enigma of greatness and wretchedness, greatness because of the imago Dei, or the image of God, and uh, wretchedness because of our fallenness. And so, again, uh, how much of our life is preoccupied even after we've become Christian? I mean, I've been a Christian now for, uh, you know, almost 42 years, and I like to think of myself as a devout Christian. I like to think of myself as someone who puts the Lord uh, first in my life, and yet I think it tells you the, the brokenness and the fallenness of the human condition. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Ken, um, when, you, when, when we read the scripture that says, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself, is there anybody that says, I truly love my neighbor the way I love myself? And I, I've heard this expressed before, and I don't know if there's biblical truth to this, but it's almost like saying, put the same energy into meeting your neighbor's needs as you would your own. Yeah. That I could almost get my arms around a little bit easier than love your neighbor as yourself, because you love yourself a lot. Yeah, I, uh, I, I really appreciate the, the question, and I appreciate, um, you know, I think sometimes there's handles that we can, we can place things in that are, that are meaningful to us. Of course, you know, what would it mean to love your neighbor as you love yourself? I mean, great question. Do, I, do I go over to the next door neighbor and say, hey, uh, you know, how are you doing with your cholesterol? Are you eating okay? You know, how about, have you checked the battery and the tires? What about your life insurance policy? You know, uh, I mean, do I get into these kinds of things that I care about, that I think are very meaningful? Bill, I would say this, I... I I think, and, and many Christian Christians would agree, broad theological traditions would agree, that part of what, a big part of what Jesus is doing when he says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, is not merely encouraging us to do it, but showing us that none of us have ever fully succeeded, and therefore we need a Savior. Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of law gospel idea, the law shows us God's 
perfection. You know, if, if you want to be pleasing to God, well, just love him with your entire being, everything that you are, and love your neighbor the way you love yourself. And yet when we look in the mirror, we realize, boy, have I ever done that? Have I done that for one whole day? Have I done it perfectly for 15 minutes? <laughs> and yet I would still say that even though we fail at it, we're incomplete, we never do it perfectly, that we're to strive for it. And I like the way you put that, that, hey, uh, you know, maybe I can— uh, Maybe I can think about it in a meaningful way. And, you know, I think about my, I think about love. I read 1 Corinthians 13. Sometimes it's painful to read that chapter, you know, and I start, well, am I patient? Am I kind? Do I not keep a record of wrongs? Do I hope all things? And I think, man, what a, my report card's not going to come out very good. But then there are other times where I think how, you know, I want to love my wife. I, I want, uh, particularly at a time that we're living now where somebody could become ill and uh, there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in the world where people are losing people they love. How can I love my wife? Well, I can think about, you know, love is, is to be patient. Love is to be kind. And of course, those are qualities of God. God is patient with us as sinners. God has this loving kindness that comes down to us. So in one sense, these are, these are messages we can never fully keep, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to t take them seriously and to try to do real inspection in our life about how consumed am I with myself? How mm. narcissistic? am I? And how can I break out of it? One little point, Jonathan Edwards, the, the great uh, American uh, revivalist preacher during uh, the time of the Great Awakening, uh, uh, right before America became a nation, uh, Edwards said that, that, that beauty has a tendency to take us out of ourself. And Edwards said, it's the beauty of God, it's the graciousness of God that is that unique power to take us out of ourselves and to stop focusing on us and focus on others. Mm. Such wise words, Ken. We're going to take a little break. Ken Samples is my guest. And I know you've got questions because they're coming in. And I'd like to ask one now, but i got to give Ken some room to answer some of these questions. So let me know what the questions are. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933. 332484. Subject today is the sickness of self. And we are looking at that from all angles. So let me know what your questions are. Again, Ken Samples is my guest. We'll be back in 90 seconds.
Welcome back to the show. Ken Samples is my guest. Reasons.org, we can go look him up. He's a philosopher and theologian. My listener Dave writes in and says, I found it interesting that COVID-19 virus has brought out the worst and the best in us. Hoarding is a good example of the worst, but people making masks, delivering food and other necessities, checking on neighbors, helping medical first responders shows the best in us, which also includes those who are not believers. My prayer is that the situation will bring out the best of us and bring believers, unbelievers, closer to the Lord. Isn't that nice? That's really well said. I I couldn't agree more. I think that that's an accurate picture. Uh, sure, we see uh, we see self, we see selfishness, but we've seen remarkable things. Uh, you know, just as he noted, uh, I, I got I just got such a, an excitement of some of the major companies in the country turning their retooling their factories to make uh, medical products to help people uh, in the battle against the coronavirus. People you know, reaching out to people who have needs. Yeah, that's so well said. Yeah. Very, very good. And problems. I mean, this is, of course, what Christianity says, that God allows things that are painful and difficult and troubling in life, but he's behind the scenes helping to develop our character. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken, what about in the sickness of self? What happens when, you know, not everybody loves themselves? where you might find it easy to love others, but it's difficult to love yourself. That came in from a listener. You know, I'm really glad that your listener raised that question because there there certainly are times where, um, you know, people are in a situation where uh, they have a hard time esteeming themselves. They have a hard time kind of recognizing their value. Um, I've known many people who struggled with uh you know the the area of self-esteem, and uh, it it's it can be it can be very challenging to have good mental health. You do need to recognize that hey, I I am a person. I have value in life. I have uh, I'm an I'm important in life, and and uh, there's dignity to that. Of course, I would argue not every worldview necessarily comes through to kind of provide a basis for that. But that's that's also a very important uh, perspective to have, that there are times where we begin to devalue ourselves, where um, maybe we're not, maybe we cross a line where we don't think enough about ourselves. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, it's, uh, it, it's not a matter of uh, thinking less of ourselves. It's a matter of think, uh, uh, it's not a matter of thinking less of ourselves, but, but simply thinking of ourselves less often. Yeah. All right, Ken, you might have something on your computer that's uh, alerting you when texts come in or something. Maybe you can... Yeah, uh, yeah. I can get yeah. rid of that. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, I loved your comment, and that's so so very true. Let me ask you this. Here's another question from a listener uh, named Joe. He says, does the enemy use selfishness to distract us from praying and performing good works, where the power of the Lord is full and expressed? Enemy knows our power and wants to derail us. I think he muted himself entirely. <laughs> All right, Ken, you got to unmute yourself now because you went away. All right, maybe we lost him altogether. Technology, we love it, and then we. Oh, we uh, you're back. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, you're okay. back. Okay. That was uh, that was my challenge. Um, you did good. I I like that. 
I, I like that comment, uh, and I would I would simply say that I think a lot of times the temptations we have in life, and uh, even the spiritual warfare that we encounter, that uh, uh, you know the demonic realm understands they they've been around a long time they've been observing human beings a long time they know that we are drawn by this challenge of selfishness, so uh, I I I think. I think we need to be aware of our temptations with selfishness because uh, I think in the spiritual realm, uh, the demonic realm is certainly aware of our selfishness. Mm-hmm. All right, another question from Terry. He said, um, as we are made in the image of God and are his representatives on earth, isn't the commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, not so much about cursing or swearing, but more about not living overly sinful lives as Christians, being false representatives of God. Well, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, uh, you know, there have been people who have said that, uh, you know, m- maybe it is, I- instead of condemning uh, the use of particular words, that maybe there's a maybe there's a broader context to that kind of thing, uh, and yet um, scripture I think is very clear that we need to be careful about our loose language and uh, you know not taking the Lord's name in vain is one of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I think I think it's back to that prayer that I see in the liturgy of historic Christianity sinning in our thoughts, words, and actions. Uh, And so I I think we should be very circumspect about the kinds of things that we say, and that when we talk about the Lord, we are, um, we're honoring to him. So yeah, I've heard that people take differing views, but uh, I, I think what comes out of our mouth is reflective of what's going on in our heart. I agree. So, Ken, as we talk about the sickness of self, we obviously are very aware that sickness is going to be played out uh, every day in the lives of hardened criminals, uh, drug dealers, the people that are just living uh, evil and doing evil things all day. But what does that sickness and how does it look in, in, in us as we go about our day to day? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very... I think it's very tempting to think that, uh, you know, we, we can we can see the extreme narcissism. Uh, we 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 see it in in people who are sociopaths, people who have seemingly an inability to empathize and therefore commit acts uh, that most of us look at and say, how in the world could that person be a human being and do those kinds of things? However, I, I think when we look at our own lives, you know, uh, I mean, Jesus, Jesus says things like, well, be, you know, before you, before you uh, plan to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye, uh, you uh, may be aware that there's a log in your own. And I think what sin has a tendency to do, I mean, I think one of the alarming things about sin in a, in a biblical context is that it blinds us. It blinds us to ourself. I think everybody listening to your program right now, Bill, would say they can relate to the situation of, I can see sinful tendencies in other people and be oblivious to it myself. I mean, being married is a, a perfect example of 
of, you know, our spouse can see it clear as day, the challenges that we have. And yet being in the, in the human condition, being in the self, it, it is oblivious. And I, I, I think that there are times where we need to allow uh, God's spirit uh, and it's done powerfully through reading and reflecting upon Scripture, a time of, of prayer and devotion, to allow the Lord to, to speak to those particular areas of our life. And so, um, yeah, it's not just in, um, you know, the obvious or explicit cases where people lack empathy. Um, it creeps into our own lives, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. As we talk about the sickness of self, Ken, I know there's been uh, some pretty inspirational examples of selflessness. We talked about them earlier in the show today. Um, but I'm also curious how how you see it playing out in, in our, you know, our current world right now. I mean, there's so many opportunities yeah. for both selfishness and selflessness. What's winning? Yeah, yeah I, I like this uh I like this focus very much. I wrote a recent blog article where I talked about Christians in uh, church history that faced the bubonic plague, who faced various times where uh, they had to shelter in. And uh, I mentioned in the ancient world, uh, in the in the Greco-Roman world, uh, there was a plague, uh, and Christian people developed makeshift hospitals. They developed hospice. They couldn't cure them, but they could comfort them. Uh, they distributed food. In fact, Bill, uh, this this selflessness that Christians exhibited, and and of course, they um, they were often putting their own uh, health in jeopardy. But this this selflessness was so strong and powerful that it actually led to an expansion of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there are clearly times, even today, we don't have to in, we don't have to put our own health or anybody else's health in jeopardy to maybe consider donating blood. Uh, we may just call or email or Skype some of the some of the senior citizens. Let you know, check in on them, uh, see how they're doing, or maybe there are circumstances where you can provide help in getting groceries and things like this. This is an enormous time uh, to kind of stop thinking about ourselves and think about other people. Yeah, a listener brought to my attention that there are so many people isolated in nursing homes and they don't necessarily have internet access or have technology that they can work. So they may be down to whoever is reaching out to them, who is making contact with them, who is calling them, who is sharing their hope or asking them about, are they in a right place with God? It's There's a credible field for evangelism right now. You know, this this is a time, I mean, um, probably the last time uh, America and the world faced something like this was maybe 100 years ago, uh, influenza that broke out right around the time of World War One. I. I mean, this is a time in which we see life and death on the screen where we're aware that, boy, through no fault of your own, you can become infected with this diabolical virus uh, that you or your loved one. um, This is a time, I think, when we really can begin to talk about the deep issues of life. You know, what is life all about? Um, What are our options when it comes to life after death? I I definitely think this gives us an opportunity to express our 
our views of what life is about in the gospel with other people. Mm-hmm. Maria gave me a great illustration. She said, uh, you know, we're like tea bags. What is in there comes out when we are put into hot water. Well, that's, uh, I, I like that analogy. I mean, uh, um, you know, many Christian thinkers, St. Augustine is one, uh, C.S. Lewis is another, Bill. They talked about suffering as being a severe mercy. It's severe because it hurts. It's painful. It's difficult. But it's a mercy because in many ways it reveals our need for God. And, you know, one of my teachers, Walter Martin, who is the founder of the Bible Answer Man program, uh, he used to say sometimes people won't look up until they're flat on their back. Sometimes it is suffering that God uses for us to, to reach out for him and see our need for him. So it, it, is, it is severe, but in his grace, it's also a mercy. You know, Ken, I've done uh, ministry in 80 prisons across the country, and I've heard people being critical of saying, well, you know, that's one of those prison conversions. And I think, well, yeah, it's exactly what it was, because they were alone with their thoughts, they were incarcerated, and I think God was saying, do I have your attention now? Yeah, I, you know, I, I definitely think, um, uh, you know, I've heard many people say that I had to get to the bottom. Mm-hmm. I, I had my... My life had to reach rock bottom before I would really begin to take things seriously. And, uh, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, it's no fun to get sick. It's no fun to have uh, bad experiences in life. It's, it's, it's difficult to see other people suffer, but it is a powerful way in which God can get our attention. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Ken Samples is my guest. If you have a question or a comment... We're talking about the sickness of self, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about the difference between selflessness and selfishness. Uh, You can certainly send a question over, 877-933-2484, 877-93-FAITH. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. Ken Samples is my guest. He is from Reasons.org. He's also uh, author of several books, Classic Christian Thinkers, Seven Truths That Changed the World and God Among Sages. And Ken, um, when we try to think about selflessness and selfishness, do we try to discern our our own hearts to figure out how we're doing? How do we measure this? Well, um, I, I certainly think that it's important to be attuned to this. I, I, I think that I think it's very clear that uh, Scripture talks about uh, uh, self. And in fact, Luther and Augustine used a Latin expression, "incurvitas in se," which is Latin for "we're turned in upon ourselves." Rather than being outward focused, focused on God, sin has a way of turning us in upon ourselves. I think that we need to realize that this is part of the fallen human condition. It remains a challenge for Christians. I would tell you, however, that I think a very powerful way in which this comes across to us is to allow the Holy Spirit to speak in Scripture to us. 
to, to read God's Word. Uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of great books out there, but there's only one book that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I think A Time of Prayer, one of my, the books that I enjoy reading because it is a prayerful book, is the Book of Common Prayer. Um, I think all of these kind of spiritual practices can can illumine our lives and recognize that we all we all we all struggle with narcissism, and uh, how how great it is to step outside of ourselves and really care for other people. Mm-hmm. I've said this before, Ken, and I hate admitting this, but I sometimes I, I don't even trust my own sincerity at times because, you know, when was the last time on a rainy night I helped change a flat tire? And then I gave the three sandwiches I had in my car to the family and $50 for gas. And then I didn't tell anybody what I did. You know, I, I you know, one of the reasons I enjoy being on your program, Bill, is you have a, an authenticity. You have a candor about yourself that I not only do I see it, but I think your listeners see it. And that that's why one of the reasons they like to listen to you. You know, I, I can only join with you. I you know, much of my life is a life of of the mind, cerebral. I love, it is so easy for me to be sheltered in. I love to read. I I love to think. I, I love to, I love the whole experience of thinking about ideas, being conceptual, being cerebral. But then there's that other side. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of times it is our actions uh, that really speak to people. Uh, there's a reason why we have that adage that actions speak louder than words. So I try to bring, it, it's very important to, to pursue truth, to be a, a, a critical thinker, to follow truth wherever it would lead. But like you, I need to realize that uh, my life needs to also be a life lived of, of giving of myself uh, and, and caring about what the needs that other people have. So I'm with you. Yeah, thanks, Ken. So apparently I didn't ask a question correctly. I had a listener when I was talking about the people isolated in nursing homes without inter- without Internet access and how important it is to reach out to them. He said, your unwillingness to ask my question as written seems a bit dishonest. Please read it as written. So there you go. I've been reprimanded. Here's the question again. Millions of unsaved people are isolated in nursing homes without Internet access. Is it selfish for Christians to let them go to hell due to social distancing? Well, um, you know, I, I, I think we have to think through these things very, very carefully. Um, uh, we have a pandemic, uh, and we have a situation where there are people who are elderly who have uh, health issues, where showing up and talking with them can cause very serious uh, health problems. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that, I I don't know that it's an either or type of situation. Uh, I mean, one person might say, well, why didn't you do this long time ago? Why are you waiting for, to do it just now? Right. And could we also realize that maybe the Holy Spirit has many ways um, you know, the salvation of the whole world doesn't depend specifically on me, though I though I'm a part of it. So, um, you know, I I, uh, I I think that's kind of an either or situation in my view. Mm-hmm. 
Another listener said, I've had four suicide attempts long ago when I was unsaved and feared no God. I focused on my weaknesses, my money problems. Had I put my worries with Jesus, there'd be less problems back then. Um, so th- there you go. It's uh, when you think about those, the sickness of self, when you're focusing on self all the time and casting none of your cares on God, you can certainly be very desperate and hopeless. I think that's clearly the case. Uh, Bill, I remember when I was a college student studying Greek for the New Testament time, trying to trying to prepare myself to be able to read the New Testament in the re- language that it was written, Koine Greek. And I remember that when Jesus appeared after his resurrection to his apostles, he often started with the Greek, Irene Umin, peace be unto you. And I think you, that your your listener there has has hit it very much that when we focus exclusively or heavily upon ourselves, I think it was Corey Tenboom who survived the Holocaust said, you know, when we look at the world, we're troubled. When we look inside, we're troubled. When we look to God, God can give us peace and rest. I, I think there's a lot of powerful truth in that. Hmm. So. You know, as we wrap up our, our time together, Ken, any final thoughts on the sickness of self self, and how we can work on this? Well, one of the things I, I want to say is that, uh, is that Jesus Christ took on a human flesh. That is, he came into the world uh, to take away our sickness, to take away our illness. He, he came in and, and became uh, a slave. He became... He gave up this wondrous position in heaven and took this lowly position in the world and suffered crucifixion so that he could take this hereditary illness, this psychological uh, problem that we have with selfishness. And uh, I want to leave on a very positive note. I want people to realize that God loves them and that even their deep-seated selfishness can be forgiven in Christ and that even during a pandemic, God is with us, um, and that God's grace will be sufficient for us. Even, even, in our, even in our selfishness, the Lord offers his loving kindness. Mm-hmm. Another listener uh, said that, that my mom, and before he passed, my dad did a lot of evangelism in nursing homes. And so they presented the gospel many, many, many times. So there certainly are people that have a love and compassion for the people who are isolated and God bless them in their efforts and their work. And our job is never done when it comes to sharing the love and the hope we have in Christ with others. And I'm thankful for that work very much. Me too. So, uh, Ken, what are your, uh, your, your plans now for, uh, Easter? You can't really be gathering with family too much, can you? And service online and then what? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I was telling my wife just yesterday that this is going to probably the most be the most different type of Easter I've ever experienced. Uh, I, I certainly think it's remarkable that God has blessed us with technology and that uh, there are many opportunities to take part in an online type of experience. I certainly, my wife and I are going to be having a time of devotion together. Uh, we are going to have a meal together, but we probably won't have any other family members. But I think this is going to be an Easter that we'll talk about for a long time. Isn't that the truth? It's uh, going to be one for the books, for sure. And there are so much, um, so many new experiences we're all having. And we're going to 
um, talk about this, I'm sure, for years. So, Ken, thank you so much for doing the show. You know I love having you on, and I appreciate uh, you doing the show every month. Well, Bill, be safe and well. Tell everybody there at the station that uh, I, I so appreciate uh, your program, and it's a it's an honor. So the Lord bless you. You'll be in my prayers. Thanks a lot. Ken Samples has been my guest. You can head over to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. And also, uh, if you are interested in his books, Classic Christian Thinkers, Seven Truths That Changed the World, and God Among Sages are all great books. That wraps up our show for the day. I so appreciate you spending time with me, and I hope you've enjoyed the program. If you missed any of it, I highly recommend going to MyFaithRadio.com, the afternoon show page with me. We'll have everything podcasted. Have a great night, everybody, and I will see you tomorrow. God bless. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.